Hello and welcome everyone to the second episode of Awaken Your Abilities. My name is Gerrit Ivgen. I'm the co-founder of Skill Yoga and very excited about today's guest. His name is Sascha Zeilinger and you can find him on Instagram at Spirit of Breath. And Sascha was a fashion and sales executive for over 18 years until he decided to give his life a twist and started traveling, not really knowing where his journey would take him. He quit his job in Germany and traveled to Bali, where he got in touch with breathwork for the first time. He's now the founder of Spirit of Breath and a certified Alchemy of Breath breathwork facilitator. Sasha, I'm honored that you're here. Welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me. <laughs> so since I've read somewhere that an ounce of practice is worth more than a ton of theory, I would love to actually start this podcast with a little bit of an introduction into the breathwork practice. And uh, maybe you can share one of the techniques you use to calm yourself down for Maybe a podcast like this, a very simple one that our audience could, could just do with us. Um, yeah, it's just a simple one. I think uh, everybody should, when you listen now, uh, sit up straight, close your eyes for a moment, and then take some gentle breaths through breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. And one last one. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. And then just start breathing very calm, very gentle in and out through the nose. And just checking in with the space you're in for a moment. Checking in with the posture you're in and your body how do you feel right now and now the invitation is to bring your awareness gently to your breath maybe it's the first time throughout the day throughout the week throughout the last month that you bring your awareness to your breath just feel it for a moment Feel what's moving while you're breathing. Do you breathe more into your belly or more into your chest? Do you breathe deep or do you breathe slow? Just feel for a moment what's changing in your body, calming down. And just feel the air coming in and out through the nose. And let's take three gentle breaths together before we slowly coming back. Breathing in through the nose and exhaling through the mouth. Breathing in through the nose and 
exhaling through the mouth. And one last one, breathing in and let it all go with the exhalation, really let it go. Then put a little smile on your face and slowly open your eyes again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it takes a moment to come back. Yeah, it takes nice. all the time. All the time. Uh, yeah, thank yeah. you so much. I definitely mm -hmm. feel refreshed and probably also a bit less excited or at least um, yeah, not as stressed out about a podcast anymore. <laughs> thank you so much. That was really, really nice. Um, so after now you've heard such as voice already i think it's about time to get to know him a little bit better as well and um before this podcast we had a little chat on the phone and he told me a little bit about his life and there were a few moments that really stuck out to me that i want to talk about that are quite personal but i think there's a lot of meaning behind them and probably a lot of impact also and insights for other people um One of the moments that you described was a moment where you very early on in your life um, lost your, your hair due to a certain condition, which I forgot the name of. But maybe you can talk a little bit about what exactly happened and what, what that meant for your life and also how you dealt with this whole situation and where you came from and maybe also yeah, what, that, what changed in your life. Uh, it happened to me at the beginning of my early 20s. It's called uh, alopecia areata. Uh, I don't know the English word for <laughs> The immune system attacks your healthy hair. And I was losing um, all my hair, nearly all my hair. Um, also started in the face and around the eye region. And this basically looking back now was also the first time that my body reacted out of stress. Like by the time, but I couldn't, couldn't really touch it or feel it what's really happening with my body it was just a reaction and uh, I tried to curl it by the time like with traditional medicine like going to different doctors tried everything but it was always coming back always coming back but it, my system my whole nervous system was reacting out of something that I couldn't couldn't handle couldn't take uh, and for me it was also because by the time like I Well, got lucky um, that I was able to model because it was for me an an um, opportunity to see the world. I was able to travel and I got to know so many other cities, so many different people. So I really enjoyed doing it. And that was something that was just taken away from me. And so it was also a process mentally, physically, like going through the process of of uh, yeah, losing that hair. And then, But looking back now is like there was so much more that I could learn out of it. But it's like I saw it was a slow process too. So at first, for you, definitely felt probably like a very, very negative thing to happen to you, right? How how did you react to this, and how um, or how did you navigate this change? Well, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I at the end, I came to a point where I was like a kind. The only thing that could happen now to me is so that the, that I get hold, got hit over by a car because I was like at the down point. Like I had to shave my hair completely. I ended up being in Milan. I started taking drugs because I was not like I was in this in this wheel of like down the rapid hall, like uh, like drugs, uh, no job, no nothing. I was losing weight. I, I like I lost like I don't know, like nearly 10, 10 kilos. 
And that I remember when I got back to Munich and by the time my best friend picked me up and it was like, I'm still to this day so thankful for him and feeling so much gratitude because he, he picked me up without any without any judgment he was just there he didn't he didn't was not question anything because other people they came they thought i came back from chemotherapy because i looked like shit i was so thin so like and uh yeah and it is it took me quite a while to really let go from it and just accept uh, the situation and it was it was a constant learning process because the more i was drawn into it the worse it got but the more i was able to let go and just accept it and just keep on living my life uh, the more it got better and better were there any tools already back then or any people anything that influenced you and that helped you change from going deeper into the rabbit hole and back up the hill and maybe finding new purpose in life or meaning Yeah, it was, there was different parts coming together. So it was like once my, like my family, because I also had back to move into with, uh, with my mother because I got kicked out of the apartment as well. And I had like debt of like, I don't know, by the time it was like 15,000 euros or something. So it was like the zero point. And then at one point it was just like, I remember it was the, the mental thing that I brought, like, this was a, maybe a conscious decision because I brought myself into the situation more or less. So I'm also able to get myself out of the situation. So, and it was like this energy, like this mind shift is like, okay, it's doable. I can get out of the situation. And it was like family, friends, really close friends of mine who helped me go through the process. Then I started working regular, like gave up modeling more or less, like got into a, like a regular job. Uh, I was working in a fashion store by the time. And the owner was really also really nice to me and helping me. And, uh, and from there, um, that's like the, Next big uh, story, at least I wrote down is, I'm not sure how many years are in between, but from that moment to you really quitting your, I would say, reg more regular job and going traveling and uh, first getting in touch with Breathwork in Bali, what happened there? Like how, how did you decide that you really need a drastic shift again? Was it just because, oh, it's three years again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I have a time. It's like, okay, you need to change something. Or is it, uh, were there certain triggers or shift in your values? What, what led um, you to change? I mean, I started um, working for Converse and at the beginning it was like really a rock and roll atmosphere there. I was in sales and I was in Munich um, starting like re shifting the brand and, and because it went from a from a distributor to to owned by by converse itself um so we rearranged the whole market there which was a lot of fun but then i came to a point where like because i've uh, i've been doing this for for many many years so it was like not really interesting anymore and so i thought there was the first time i kind of felt this energy do i really want to keep on doing this i needed an outside stimulation to get out of my comfort zone And so I was like, okay, let's move to, to Berlin. Um, also a new position within, within Converse, because I also thought this would be some more excitement and stuff, but it only like after a couple of weeks, I also realized because at the beginning I was working so much. I was like, I, I can't continue working that much. And then it, it got like, once you're in your position, a new position, you kind of know how it works. And then I very fast realized that it's, I'm in the same mindset again, whereas like, questioning a lot and asking myself do i really want to do this there was also the time then when i started uh, meditating uh, before i was doing yoga and always a bit drawn to to this kind of work also with uh, yoga and, and meditation and stuff and then um yeah that was 
and the funny thing about meditation was that I always wanted to do it, but I also excuse me, nah, I'm too busy. I can't do it. Uh, too busy, too busy. And then I also had this, this routine of like, I had to be in the office around nine o'clock. So I woke up at like 8.15, then shower, coffee in the car with two phones, like driving there, completely stressed, like full on by the time I got there. And when I started with meditation, I was like, I got up like one and a half, one and a half hours earlier. I got my bike. So I was like, I did my meditation, took a shower, went down to the coffee shop, sat down, had a nice uh, glass of coffee, was reading the newspaper, then on my bike, driving to work. So I already arrived with a completely different mindset and energy level. So that was basically the first time when it like, when I really got into like mindfulness, mindfulness work, I would say. For me, it was like when it, when it came to meditation, or when it comes to meditation, that it was, I realized that if I'm not in my routine, then it started to affect my body. It was not that it suddenly had like this, maybe at the beginning, at one point it was like, wow, everybody needs to do this. And it's like, uh, like getting these, these, these insights. But the more I was doing, uh, the longer I was doing my meditation, it got more that it was, that I started realizing the little things in life and not like these big explosions anymore. So it was all, and also feeling my body was reacting to it, but I was not doing it for a couple of days. Interesting. What what are these feelings that you get if you don't meditate? Like what is what are these shifts that are probably very subtle? Yeah, kind of like the structure throughout the day is completely different. I'm much more nervous or I'm much more intense. Like the, the my, my nervous system much much more activated. Interesting because I just had a chat with a friend of mine who says, like, oh, I started meditating again and then after five days I always quit. And I was like, Okay, yeah. But what are you looking for? And he's like, yeah, no, the positive feeling afterwards is nice. But then what else do you get out of it? And um, I also sometimes struggle to keep up my meditation routine. But for me, it's really the the long run, something changes. Um, and I think the brain probably takes four, five, six weeks rather to adapt to it. And uh, I only notice if I am in a routine and then I stop. And then after a few days, then I notice, ah, there has been, uh, there's definitely a difference between how I feel right now compared to when I was still in my routine. And, but while you go step by step, step by step, meditating every single day, um, I don't, also don't feel like the strong shift from one day to the other. Afterwards, obviously I feel a bit calmer, but through the rest of the day, like it's subtle, gentle shifts over time. And, um, but then when I stop, yeah, it really, uh, really blows my mind how quickly you realize, yeah, just as you described, my emotions are not that much under control. I don't act as, consciously anymore i don't behave in my my best behavior um that's uh, always, always fascinates fascinates me but also i guess that's kind of the struggle with meditation for many people that it doesn't have this super strong immediate effect and uh, now society everywhere just wants things fast you want quick fixes and hacks and meditating is scientifically proven to be super effectful but uh, and impactful but it definitely is not the thing that from one day to the other quickly changes your life and helps you with all the problems that you have right and that's the thing what you just mentioned like we're looking for the quick fix with everything we need to have this big explosion like you have headache you take a pill instead of maybe you drank less water throughout the day that's why you're having a headache and so on but we're always looking for this quick everything has to be fast 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 mm -hmm. and with meditation it's like the other way it's like and also like honoring the process i think when it comes to meditation honoring the process not like looking for a specific goal but on while you're in the process like enjoying the process and starting the mindset that it's like once you start meditating that all your problems are gone it's like i think it's a kind of way that even more problems arrive 
because you get more consciously about them. And then the interesting part is how you start dealing with the problems. Are you having the right tools to deal with them? Or are you getting just attached and then thrown away by them? Or are you able to sit and just sit in stillness and just like let it pass by and not trying to run away from them or escape from them because sooner or later they will get you. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you just started, <laughs> you just talked about running away. Maybe that's a good or a terrible segue to you <laughs> running away to Bali. <laughs> yeah. Uh, trying to be a podcast host. Um, so maybe. <laughs> Uh, from 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 this life uh, where you started meditating, becoming more consciously uh, about your work, about your life, about so many things, what happened? Was it just a typical quarter life or midlife crisis? And you were like, okay, now I'm I'm done with all of this. Uh, I want to go travel and drink coconut juice. Uh, or what was what happened, and that made you decide to to go to Bali or travel around the world? Maybe a little bit of of everything because it was. It was not a decision like an overnight decision that I woke up and it was like, okay, fuck that, I'm I'm out of here. It was a, um, like at the beginning of the year, I knew I sat down and maybe that also had something to do with my meditation. It was like, okay, um, by the by the end of the year in September, October, I need to find a decision for myself because it can't go on with this. And it was the beginning of the year. And then this point came closer and closer and I started talking to my family and starting talking to close friends of mine. And... Um, I also had like um by the over the years I saved some money so I was like okay why not taking this chance now like uh, by the time I didn't have any, uh, had no family and uh, so it was like why not take this chance and then it was in September October I, I think it was in October yeah I made the decision to quit my job but I had no idea by the time what I wanted to do I just like I quit and I went to Fort Aventura for surfing I think for 10 days And then when I came back from Fort Aventura, I knew I'm going to go to Bali uh, for surfing because there was something I started a couple of years earlier and it really like uh, it was so much fun. And then so I was like, okay, I want to dive deeper into that that world. So I went there and stayed for yeah, three and a half months, just surfing nearly every day. And that's when I got in touch with with Breathwork for the first time. And how how did that happen? Was it just that one of the surf hostels uh, offered a Breathwork class, or one of the one billion uh, yoga studios there, <laughs> or how how did you get in touch with uh, Breathwork? By, yeah, maybe also another thing because I got this ask also like I never like while I was in Bali, I never sat down and was like, okay, what do I want to do of my life because that's something some also got asked quite a lot. It's like, did you sit down and they had your realization? It was like, okay, I got into surfing and was surfing and then. Through surfing, I got in contact with a guy in a hostel I was staying and he said, my wife is doing something with breathing. And by the time I only knew breathing from like yoga, pranayama exercises or apnoe diving. So I was like, I had no idea what to expect. And I was close to not showing up for the, for the session because I thought it's going to be like a session where I had to sit in lotus seat for like an hour. Did my knees going to explode? But then it was like, okay, let's give it a try. And then. It was a really, really nice space, a really nice shala where I went. It was at, at a private, in a private villa, but she created this little shala and she offered it for for people, for the breathwork facilitators to hold space there. And so I went there and it was, I think we were like 15 people or so and like all different types of, of like surfer guy, old, young, all sorts of people. 
And then we did a couple of warming exercises and then we got into, into the session itself. Uh, we had to lie down and then we were breathing uh, the conscious connected breath for like an hour, an hour 15. So it's really intense, intense breathing. And then something happened in my body, like on a mental, uh, physical, emotional level, which I haven't experienced uh, before because it was so, so intense, so pure and so powerful that it also, after the session, it took me, I think, two, three days to really realize, or let's say to integrate what was happening to me. Um, because by the time before, I think I was trying to read unconsciously. I, I knew because I was like, taking drugs like MDMA and stuff like this because it got this, you know, kind of warm feeling and it helped me to to open up and uh, uh, got in touch with parts of my, with myself, which I wasn't able to get in touch before. So it was like looking there and then doing suddenly breath work was so intense. Like this, this, the tingling sensations in my body. I started sweating. It got cold. I had to laugh. I was crying. I had visions and everything just in one session. It was like, what the fuck just happened? And, um, yeah. And then the, the, what happened afterwards, because I think, or at least I was so fortunate enough and so lucky enough, I, I was able to travel the world. I got to meet many different people at restaurants, hotels, whatever, and, and trying out many, many things. But, I think the older you get, it's like to find something where you get really hooked on is getting less and less and less. And there was something for me before I did surfing. And then it was the second thing was like, wow. And then I ended up going there for a couple of more sessions. And the interesting part was with the second or third session. I think it was the second session because I had this amazing feeling what happened for the first session. So I was trying to reach that level again. And what happened is that my whole body was reacting to it and that my whole body started to cramp. And it was just like before, it was like this euphoric, happy, loving, gratitude, united with the universe feeling. And the second one was a feeling of like physical pain, like really heavy physical pain. And then I was going through the process, through the process. And then like at one point, it was like, fuck that it's not for me. I'm not interested in breathwork anymore. And then when I had this realization, suddenly I saw my mother and my my girlfriend by the time, and they both said, like, it's okay, you can let go. And then some tears ran down, and I let go, and then it was like this, I melted into the floor. It was like I was, the whole body just softening, and I just lying there, and uh, this, this like, blissful moment all over my, my body. And so it was my first to experience. And then it was like, okay, I need to learn more about it, but no idea like where it would take me. It was just like, okay, what kind of school I can attend, um, who can be my mentor and teacher. And then I started the, the journey with the alchemy of breath. Hmm. Well, that sounds like a very, very intense first experience. I mean, I've also been to, it's probably a holotropic breathwork session or was it, uh, what kind of style of breathwork was it? It's, it's called the conscious connected breath. Okay. I mean, we have... Yeah, we have about like 20 different styles out there, but the foundation of all is the connected breath. But with some, it's like you do it mouth-mouth breathing or nose-mouth. And so it's like, uh, yeah, but the root, it's not really holotropic, but it goes in the in the direction. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and if all these words don't mean anything to you yet, we'll definitely dive deeper into this in a second. 
Before we do that, though, I would love to talk to you a bit about the breath in general, because uh, I've read this book by James Nasser the a few months ago called breath. And uh, I think it starts with a chapter called the worst breathers in the animal kingdom. And uh, he talks a lot about how humans kind of unlearned how to breathe correctly or in a healthy way. And uh, I have some facts here. So more than 40% of all the people suffer from chronic nasal obstruction, more than 50% by now are habitual mouth breathers. Uh, Maybe you can talk a little bit about why that is happening, why we as humans are somehow unlearning how to breathe correctly. And then afterwards, probably also we will talk about what we can do about it. Yeah, the, the, one of the main reasons is like stress and how we adapt with, with stress. It's, it changes our breathing patterns. It's also the way we consume social media, what we eat, um, the way we sit in front of the computer the whole day. So our whole lifestyle. Uh, uh, is around that. And it's also read an article about that by the age of round three and four, we try like that, that's the process when we start to unlearn to breathe right. Because we have our diaphragm, the diaphragm is our biggest breathing muscle. And because of the stress, uh, we are like the, the breath. Normally you should breathe deep down into your belly, activating the diaphragm. But the more stressed we are, we're coming to the shallow, hectic breathing up in our chest. And you imagine it's like, And when you, by the time you're three or four, it already starts shifting because it's the first time when you, uh, when we as children are dealing with, with stress that affects our, our autonomic nervous system and it changes our, our breathing patterns. And it's like, um, because when you look at the small baby, for example, I have my daughter's like three and a half now and seeing her, like also when she's stressed, she's the, the, the breathing patterns changing. But before she was only breathing through the nose and just like belly breathing, you know, that the upper part of her body is not breathing at all it's just like the belly but like i said the more stressed we are the more our breathing patterns is changing and that's a yeah, number one cause of um i think also in the books like uh, james nestor i also mentioned the the processed food we eat it's like because we're not really biting wrong and then our our tooth our whole mouth is getting closer together and that changes the the formation of our of our nose and uh, yeah i think i also remember that so as far as I remember, is over the last millions of years, our the setup of our whole or the anatomy of our whole skull has changed. And if you, for example, look at Neanderthals, they have a lot bigger mouth and the mouth is a lot more forward. And somehow in the last thousands of years, but even more so in the last, interestingly, 400 years, once we started eating a lot of processed food, the, the mouth and uh, yeah, the lower part of the skull somehow moved back a lot. So if you look at pictures of skulls from a few hundred years ago, yeah, the mouth will be a lot more up front. So even in front of the, the eyebrows or, or, or the nose. And uh, with this shift backward and downwards, uh, our nasal cavities are Uh, getting smaller and smaller apparently and that leads to more and more people having problems breathing and that in combination i guess with our modern lifestyles bad diet and uh, pharmaceuticals air pollution i guess there's a lot of reasons that will yeah. create uh, problems for us you know? and it's also when you look at at like ancient tribes they're still like uh, they don't have these these much problems with the with the deformation of your face like it's also what he mentioned in the book that when you're like in tribes in africa or When you go into the jungle or so, they're like still having more space to breathe. And it's also, but it's again, like different food, different lifestyle, much more exercising, 
uh, not much, not that stress that we are suffering from. And from there, I'd love to talk a little bit uh, about the mechanics of the breath. So um, we've already mentioned mouth breathing versus nose breathing. Can you talk a little bit about that? What are the differences? And does it even make a difference if I breathe through the mouth or the nose? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> the nose is here to, like, uh, that's why we have we are having our nose is here to the to uh, to breathe, and it's like through the little hairs you have in your nose, it's like either cooling. Uh, when, it's, when it's really hot outside, it's cooling. The same. The other thing is, if it's really cold, it's kind of warming. The air that the air is coming in, it's with the nasal hair. It's, that's why you shouldn't use a trimmer, <laughs> an hair trimmer, because basically you need them. It's like also a filter, a filter system. Um, once you start breathing through the nose, it's much more gentle, much more calmer. You are able to breathe much more deeper deep down into the to the diaphragm activating the diaphragm more um basically it's it's a simple ways why you should uh, breathe through the nose and the opposite thing is if you start breathing through the mouth what happens is that you um, because normally we breathe about like 15 20 times per minute but when you start breathing through the mouth and you're getting into this hyper kind of hyperventilation it's also your stress level is rising and then you're like <laughs> like this one so you breathe like 40, 50, 60 time, and basically it's oil in the fire. You're activating the, the stress levels much more, and this causes a lot of inflammation in, in your body. So, and there are also the tests uh, where they, where they, um, you're having these, like the autonomic nervous system, and you're having these two, two pillars. It's the one is the sympathetic nervous system is for the activation, and the parasympathetic nervous system is for the relaxation. And it's like, it's not that it means that stress itself is bad. It's just like when it gets chronic stress. And what happens is when you start breathing through the mouth that you're going to go consci unconsciously into that activation state. So you're activating your sympathetic nervous system. And then when you go into this, it activates more, 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 more. And then it leads to chronic stress. And uh, we unlearn to get into the parasympathetic and the relaxation part. And... Um, that's why it's like what they did is, for example, they um, they taped, um, they did a test with 10 days only uh, for breathing through the mouth. And you already said like how it affects your body, like the, uh, um, that you like the chronic, that the stress levels are rising, the inflammation markers in your body were rising and they already like measured it. And then um, that it's also leads to sleep apnea, like snoring and everything. And you don't like get enough air in. Uh, that means you get a less sleep, no good sleep. So this leads again to diseases. Mm -hmm. And then they did the other way around where they taped the mouth and just went through the nose. And then within a couple of days already, or I think even if a couple of hours, like the stress markers, inflammation markers went down just by, by breathing through the nose. And now you, you see this also, like, again, we, we're referring to <laughs> James Nessa, but it's like, if you're interested in breathwork and breathing itself, the book is amazing. And um, he started his movement where he said, like, okay, tape your mouth uh, through the night. And so you just start, start learning breathing through the nose. I also saw that there's uh, also another uh, author who I think wrote The Oxygen Advantage, which is also another really interesting book, who's selling all these mouth tapes by now, even for children, for older adults. So I was just going to ask you about uh, what are strategies to maybe, if yeah, if I am or if someone is a chronic mouth breather, how do you treat this? How do you deal with that? And the mouth tape during the night potentially is one of the things. Is there any other 
things that you can do? Or that you yeah, I think w everything starts with awareness. And that's why we like we started the the podcast today with the with the breathwork session or this little breathing exercise. I think that's the first thing, and uh, just you bringing your awareness. That's a, like uh, um, also when I work with clients, for example, I tell them if you sit a lot a lot in front of the computer, place a stick on your computer, and every time you look at the sticker, take a moment and just like take one gentle breath and breathe in, breathe in and out through the nose. So just bringing your awareness then. Um, that's the first thing. Then you can, of course, you can start uh, adapting that you start trying out, uh, taping your mouth. But when we're talking about taping your mouth, it's not that you take a gaffer tape and then you <laughs> put it like, right. tape, yeah. <laughs> yeah, duct tape, just like a little, like, uh, yeah, just a little, just a little tape and just see, because it, it will, the first, because I tried it out myself in the first couple of nights, it was, I felt quite uncomfortable because having your mouth taped, but then it got, uh, yeah, it got better and better. You get used to it. And, uh, but then I quit because my wife got too scared because she thought I was like dying in the night if I have my mouth. <laughs> of course, it's not happening. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually, I also tried that out for a few times, uh, for a few nights and uh, I had the same experience. And what I used was, I think it's just from medical tape, a very tiny slip, put it across my mouth. Really, if I want to open my mouth, I even can. It just keeps it closed overnight. Uh, I didn't feel any immediate impact right away because I also, I think I, I just breathe very naturally through my nose during my sleep. But apparently there's a lot of people uh, that yeah, whose mouth open during the night. And there's also a lot of super weird YouTube videos of people showing you how to tape your mouth. <laughs> they use a lot of tape. So be aware that all that advice is, is helpful. There's, it can be done very simply. And you can even yeah, buy, I think, mouth tape by now, which is more, it looks like a ring that you can put around your mouth and close it a lot more gentle. So it doesn't look as scary and you're not going to die when you sleep. <laughs> But also, even before you do this, I mean, just a simple exercise and you can start because you have to rewire your brain because you unlearn to breathe right. So what you also can do is just like lay down five minutes before you go to bed, place one hand on your belly and then just start breathing very slow and gentle. Put in some some chilled music and just like breathing in and out through the nose, very slow and gentle, just like that you can place one hand on your belly, the other one on your chest. And then when you start breathing, the upper ha hand shouldn't move at all. And just like breathing in and out through the belly, through the nose and do this. And maybe or if it's just one minute, start with one minute and start integrating. And you, and you start feeling a shift because your nervous system starts to react on it. You're going to feel more relaxed. It's easier for you to digest. It's good for your digesting system, for your brain. Monkey mind is slowing down and your overall well-being will, will change. And this is something you will feel immediately within two two three weeks you already feel a shift if you start uh, practicing gen uh, conscious breathing and uh, what about the pace of the breath i read somewhere that in the last hundred years the average pace of our breathing as humans has increased and by now online it says normal breathing is between 12 and 20 breaths per minute and 100 years ago it was even lower so now i think the average is around 16 it used to be rather 12 or 13 Uh, why is that? Is that also connected to the shift of the nervous system um, or why are we starting to breathe faster? Yeah, it's, it's also, again, again, but because our whole respiratory system is like out of balance. Mm -hmm. And this, again, has something to do with the autonomic nervous system. I mean, we're coming back to the autonomic nervous system, but it affects basically the whole your whole body. And through breathing, you have direct access to, 
to your autonomic nervous system and through this you can regulate your nervous system and uh, what you mentioned is like the, the, the how many breaths we take per minute it started by 12 to 20 but nowadays in the stress level we are it goes up to 30 40 50 it's also that they found out by people who's suffering from anxiety um, depression PTSD that they are, their breathing patterns are much too high. So they're, they're like in this constant rush, this constant like activation state. And looking back into history, like the sympathetic nervous system, it's like, it's active, like your reptile brain is so the first developed brain. And it has something to do with in the, the sympathetic nervous system. It's either it's um, fight or flight. So it's either it has something to do back in the days when you get attacked by a tiger. The thing was either you attack or you run away. And right, we, we don't have this danger anymore. But like the, the body doesn't know if it's real danger, if it's just uh, your mind sets up the danger. So you're in this constant activation state and this leads to chronic um, to chronic stress. And this is why it's changing your, your breathing pattern. And then um, there's the HeartMath Institute, for example. They're, they're like doing studies on this for, I don't know, over 20 years now. And they found out that the, by breathing in five seconds and breathing out five seconds, that's a perfect amount of breathing in and breathing out. So you only breathe six times per minute. And that's when we want to act, that's when we want to activate our parasympathetic. It's also called rest and digest. So it really signals the body. Everything is okay. You're, you can let go. Your organs relax and everything is, is calming down. Six breaths per minute. That's what we should be breathing. Or is it rather, I don't know, a state where we absolutely in deep relaxation, but might not be the perfect situation. If then a tiger appears, we're not able to quickly react or are we? No, no, that's what I meant. It's like that the stress itself is not bad for us. Yeah. You need to have this, like this adrenaline, you're like pumping your blood into your muscles and we need this. It's just like that when it gets chronic and these these breathing exercises called coherence breath or coherent breathing is like where we breathe in five seconds in five seconds out it's just there for us to practice to to learn to get into that relaxation state again and then it's like um yeah practice a couple of times throughout the day or before going to bed just to you know let everything calm down and it's also of course while you're doing this on a long term it's like you will feel a shift because you will get into situations where you would normally completely react into your sympathetic. So in that activation state, but you learn, like you, you learn how to your body reacts to it and you're able to, to regulate it through the breathing that you are able to stressful situation. You will learn to go much more relaxed through that situations. You've mentioned, yeah, now inhales and exhales. There's also the retention. Um, can you talk a little bit about the different impacts uh, it has when you for example regulate inhale you create a longer inhale or you create a longer retention and you or you t create a longer exhale how does that affect our nervous system or how can we use inhales retention exhales to either fire our nervous system up which sometimes might also make sense i know a bunch of athletes who by now in crossfit and other maybe in athletics as well, um, use the breath to fire the brains up beforehand with um, yeah, rather strong breath or obviously before sleep, before a meeting, if you're generally uh, stressed or if you want to go to bed, you probably rather want to 
calm yourself down, go into this rest and digest mode and activate the parasympathetic nervous system. How, what are the, what are the mechanics there? How do you use these different phases of the breath? Yeah. For example, I mean, they're like, when you look back in history, yogi, you have strong yogi breathing techniques that help you to fire up the system, to get you really activated, to activate the sympathetic nervous system. It's by, by strong uh, breathing techniques. Um, then you have like with the retention i think more like it kind of like there's the two more breathing but when you look in nowadays it's the wim hof method which is like very popular and he uses like strong breathing and but then he also implements the uh, retention and uh, within the after that you do like 30 rounds of breathing and then you have the retention it's like it has something to do with your it change your ph levels are changing your, your ph level your blood level is 7.5 it should regulate but also, again, the stress that we have, the way we consume food and everything, most of us are in the acid part. Like, And through this breathing technique, we are able to release out all the uh, CO2 levels. And then through the retention, is so we are making our blood alkaline. Mm -hmm. And then through the retention, the CO2 levels are rising in our body again. So it brings it back to 7.4 pH level. So, and, and this has something to do also with your inflammation marker, because if you're too acid, it's like, it's not good for you, for your system. And this affects your, like everything, like the blood pressure, your, your digesting system, and your immune system itself, how you react to viruses, especially now the, the phase we are, we are in, uh, can be really helpful and really to build a strong immune system. But I, because I, I come from yoga and I'm also, uh, obviously also have uh, played around with pranayama. In the very beginning, I used a lot of techniques like breath of fire, uh, very strong breathing, fast breathing, especially a lot of times also with a focus on the inhale. And um, yeah, usually if you use longer inhales and short retention, short exhales, that would rather you know, fire yourself up. And uh, if you do it the other way around, so normal or shorter inhales but long retention longer exhales these are usually the breathing techniques to calm you down there's i think the most famous one is from dr andrew wheel from the us who uses this 478 technique to um i think release anxiety also put people to sleep and i just realized after a while that uh of doing pranayama techniques that the yogis obviously where they come from is a very calm a very relaxing environment living in monasteries and uh, for them obviously it's probably what they need is to fire themselves up and uh, create some kind of arousal, probably also activate the sympathetic nervous system. While, as you already said, the biggest share of the population nowadays is in a different state where it's uh, not a chronic relaxation mode, but chronic stress mode. So for us, I think in general, the, um, yeah, the goal should be to calm people down. So probably the, or that's why the more modern breathing techniques uh, have a stronger focus on these retentions and the exhales. And even with, um, with Wim Hof, who at first breathes very hard and quick, uh, but then you have the retention. I think it's just, if you first, it's like in sports, you first activate the sympathetic nervous system and really push the system up, then it's also easier for the, uh, nervous system to come back, calm back down. So just breaking out of this con constant chronic loop of, being high in stress the whole time just once pushing yourself and then it's like like after a fast sprint first activating very strongly and then you're able to calm down a bit more relax a bit better i think this uh, this understanding uh, or understanding in what place you are and how you can use the breath is super important to uh, to start playing around with it and finding maybe methods that work well for you in your situation right yeah totally totally and the thing is like 
um, what you mentioned, like when you extend your exhalations more that you go into that rest and digest, but it's like when you compare, I'll try to explain it like this, like you have breath work and then you have breathing techniques. And for example, breath work, when you, when you, when we talk about the Wim Hof method, for example, it's like, that you the the big difference is that you go consciously into an activation set, but only for a short amount of time. That's also why in breathwork sessions we often use mouth breathing because we want to go consciously because we see, like, when you want to dive a bit more deeper into like trauma and stuff like this, depression is like that these things are stuck in an energetically and through these activation breathing techniques you are able to release that kind of energies in your body. And but like I said, the big difference is that we're going to go consciously into the activation set and then relaxation again. And so your body learns to adapt like when he's going to activation, but we learn to also go into that relaxation phases. And I think that's one of the, the biggest things. And also when you compare like yogic breathing techniques and breathwork, most of like, yeah, like breathing is uh, the breathwork is more through the mouth, like activation, and then the most like the other, um, yeah, it's more through the nose and more calm breathing techniques. Yeah, maybe now it's time to kind of shift over from the breath to breath work, as we already started talking about it. Can you tell me a bit about the history of breath work? We've talked about pranayama. There's probably other cultures that also use the breath uh, consciously and alter the breath in a in a specific way for a certain function. But maybe we can. Start talking about the the history of breathwork in our in our Western society and where it comes from. Uh, Stanislav Grof, uh, holotropic breathing, etc. Yeah, I mean the first one who started like also doing like body work in, in a kind of a way was Wilhelm Reich. He was a student of um, Sigmund Freud, and he started invented the seven belts of tension. So he basically gave his patients like that belts like around the eye region, the mouth, and so on. Like you have seven regions in your body similar to the chakra system mm -hmm. from the yogi. But by the time he, he had no idea about it. And he realized that you have different parts in your body where you have a lot of tensions, a lot of energies coming together. And then Stanislav Goff took it the next step because he was a psychologist uh, from the Czech Republic. And he went to the States and started working with trauma patients and while using psilocybin, so magic mushrooms and LSD, he was treating because he was able to like in the long term to basically heal them or make like because he, and uh, then when it got banned, he was looking for ways to work with these patients. And that's when he started, like, he realized throughout his sessions that he was, when he was uh, um, um, focusing on the breath with his patients, that they were able to reach similar mind states and, and feelings in their body when, with conscious breathing. And so he started uh, inventing a holotropic breathwork. And it's a really intense, um, intense session that lasts for three, four hours. And you go really, really deep um, by the time it's also there's another guy called Leonard Orr he created um, rebirthing so basically he says that everything we are dealing with our lives nowadays has to do something with our with the birth process itself like going through the birth canal it's like a dance between life and death and so and then he's like through this breathing technique you're basically able to go down and he started doing it in a in a bathtub he, he created it because lying in a bathtub and then he started breathing for hours and he's like, suddenly he he saw visions about his childhood about his relationship to his parents and then <laughs> but like it with him it turned out that they did like i think it was in paris or something um, that they had like these pool parties where like a lot of people went into the pool and was doing these breathing techniques and it kind of went into a 
weird, like, I wouldn't say sex party, but kind of like <laughs> weird stuff. So that's why he, he said, okay, we need to like use the breathing technique, the conscious connected breath, but doing it like how we can transport it into a, a normal environment, I would say, not in a, but it's like breathing in water for a certain amount of time. It's, fucking out of you it's it's amazing like when you just like you know when you snorkel and you just hear your your own the sound of your own breath you should try it it's amazing just like go put some water into the bathtub and just like like around the ears or in the water and just do some conscious connected breath it's amazing and these like rebirthing also the stan Groff method do they have a lot in common what's what's a normal or what does such a breathing session look like and nowadays like i said in the beginning we have around like 20 25 different techniques the most common is the wim hof and like for example like how i got taught we're using the conscious connected breath which relates to leonard or and rebirthing but in my sessions we like one um we come together we start with a meditation we do some some exercise in the beginning um, for some who wants to set an intention, it's more than welcome to set an intention. But I, me personally, I want to leave it open. So whatever is happening for you during the session is, is completely up for you. Um, and then we start, we're going to lie down and we're going to breathe for like an hour, one hour, 15. We're using like conscious connected breathing. So deep, deep belly breathing, using the full capacity of our respiratory system. And it's like with the music starting slow and then we're building up to a peak we're going to stay at the peak for a certain amount of time and then the music is slowing down again. And um, we use some slight touch. So if you see some stuck energy with somebody or somebody's changing his breathing pattern, that you use some gentle touch here and there. Um, but for me personally, and also what I want to transport with the work I'm doing is that the breathwork itself, it's so powerful. I'm as a facilitator, I just want to, my main thing is to create a safe space so everybody can experience whatever they're supposed to experience it's like it's you get out of a breathwork session what you want it's not what uh no what you want it's what you need that's what you get out of a breathwork session and it's um and so for me it's like important it's also at the beginning i use my voice quite a lot to get everybody into the flow into the rhythm of breathing but then stepping back and just holding the space for 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 the experience they're about to and it can be for some, it can be very gentle, just kind of meditation. For others, it can be a very physical experience. Um, for others, it can go really, really deep. They can be laughing. They can be crying. They can be scenes from from your past lives. They can be from your childhood. Uh, I had people sharing that they got in contact with uh, people their past. Um, so it's, it's really on, on many, many, many levels. And that's also what makes the work also so exciting because, um, we talked about, we know what kind of like physically happening or chemical happens in your body, but you're able to start connecting with your unconscious mind. And the more you practice breathwork, the more deeper you will able to dive into your unconscious mind and start walking consciously in your unconscious mind. And that's where you can start um opening hidden doors and it's also about like um of course it, it depends always of what kind of level you are because everybody's welcome in breathwork it's just like if you have certain history of 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 health issues um then you're still welcome in breathwork but we wouldn't we wouldn't use that active breathing we only would use gentle breathing for the nose that you feel the the energy of the group because it's also very important it, it plays a role 
what kind of energy the group creates together. Uh, but then really let the let the breath do the work and, and see what's what's coming. And then after that we uh, we come together. We like there's a really phase of coming down. It also depends on how intense the the the, the practice was because there can also be a lot of screaming and crying and then like slowing it everything down and um, then we open the space for sharings so if you feel like sharing something uh, we are there because it's always especially when you do it for the first couple of times because the the experience can be quite intense and then you really don't know like, was it just me or what was going on what was happening so it, uh, it helps a lot of people that they're able to share for others they just want to sit in silence and we, we honor that as well and um yeah. And it's like, but then the real work starts after breathwork session because it can show you things. But then the interesting thing, how are you able to to integrate it in your everyday life? And it's of course, like what we said also at the beginning, it doesn't like it's not done with one breathwork session. It can be very intense, but it also can be very gentle. So it's completely up to you. It's it's, it's like it empowers you. Use your breath and learn to work with your breath. And it's also when you come to a situation during a breathwork session where it gets too intense, is it on a physical, mental, emotional level, you learn how to get yourself out of the situation by regulating your breath. And that's something you can also integrate in your everyday life. I'm working with people who are suffering from anxiety. And it's like when this, when this rush of anxiety starts in your body, it's similar in a breathwork session. Like these, these physical sensations are similar. But then that's also... Of course, nowadays it's a bit hard, but it's also, of course, nicer if you have somebody physical there. Um, I mean, there are different formats out there. The, the online sessions also work proper, um, but for because the, the offline session, I would call they're much longer because the intensity is much higher. And then it's good if you have a trained facilitator who's guiding you through the process because it can get, it's, it, I'm only mentioned it can get, it doesn't have to, but it can get very intense. And, but then, the knowledge you get out of a situation like this because you you enter a point and then maybe you say for today it's enough i don't want to go deeper into whatever is coming up for you and you just slow down your breath and within seconds or maybe minutes you're out of the the process and you're fully there you're fully present and uh, that's something yeah i want to really want to transport that people are able to to go to these places and learn how to use the breath right to i think there's a lot of things that i want to uh follow up on but uh one thing you just mentioned at the end which i also experienced is super powerful where a lot of people use substances to go into these altered experiences and mental states with breath work you are still in control like especially if you have a facilitator so you can open certain doors that might also be scary that might also be overwhelming that you then afterwards realize okay this might might have been too much but you're a lot, it's a lot easier to come back. Um, so you don't, not like other drugs where it takes sometimes minutes or hours or even days to come back, or maybe even don't come back at all with breath work. It's a lot, lot easier. So I think that's why this natural tool to work on processes that open up in an altered state of awareness is, I think, a lot more healthy and a lot more conscious. Um, one thing you mentioned, and especially for people that are not so familiar with energetic healing, maybe uh, might sound strange. As you see, you said that you sometimes see stuck energy, and you give a gentle touch uh, to open that up. How do you see stuck energy? 
of course, one thing is just like by the breathing pattern that I see somebody's just breathing chest or just like on the left or on the right side or is completely cramped or something. And then just like, I'd say like in the position they're in, you don't, sometimes you don't even have to touch the people. It's just like that you take a few steps towards them and you knee down next to them and you, because you enter their energy field and it just like by like maybe placing your hand like 10 centimeters from the heart and suddenly it pops open and they start laughing or crying or so. It's it's for me, while I'm doing the work, sometimes I'm also zooming out completely. I'm in that space. Like I'm, of course, consciously completely there. But when I'm walking around, it's like also when I get feedback from people that I was right there in the right moment when they needed me. It's sometimes it's hard to explain why I was right there in the right moment. So it has to be some some energy that channels for me i don't i don't know how to yeah no totally i um i'm asking this question because that's also some one of the things that i'm the most skeptical with and i'm right now myself in a breathwork teacher training or breathwork therapist training and um doing all these breathwork sessions for myself has been very very helpful and insightful but i think i might have even learned more uh being the facilitator and having my body or a group of people and watching them go through these breathwork sessions of 60, 90 minutes and seeing which I, uh, with a very rational scientific background, a functional background, how really it sh you can have impact on people without touching them, without talking to them. You just give your awareness, your focus, your, I don't know, set an intention, you set an emotion, try to connect to their emotions or just walk pa uh, past them, as you just said. And all of a sudden, there's some kind of shift in them. It can be physical, it can be mental, but if you're yeah, kind of trained a little bit more, you see these changes. And afterwards also the people will say, hey, something has happened. I don't even know what, but something has happened to me. Um, in the very beginning, it looks and sounds very shamanic. You, uh, or at least that's what I felt like our breathwork teacher, teacher trainer, like the person that's kind of educating us was dancing around the beginning to, uh, rise up the energy in the room. And, and I was just like, what the hell is going on? I mean, okay, just dancing. That can't be a big skill, but, and then some point, uh, then you started walking past a certain person and that had cramped up or so and without touching them, just sending them whatever energy emotions uh setting an intention i don't i can't describe it but i on so many occasions i saw the people changing and uh, there was like damn it my very skeptic mind i'm getting too much proof that something is happening i don't know why and probably cannot on a scientific level yet explain all the things that are happening there but uh yeah the person that is breathing but also the therapist both are definitely noticing noticing that the human awareness and connection that moment is there and the energy is there whatever it is yeah, yeah basically it comes down to but it, of course it's, we're going to go down that road but because at the end everything is energy yeah and we are constant like in the shift of energy and everything is in vibration and the higher your vibration the more energy you have and it's it's basically like comes down also to breath work because once you start breathing your whole you set your whole body into vibration then you send out the energy and it's like and it's there is this there is this like it's a chart where you basically they measured the energy level of the person and you can tell like if there's a lot of for example a lot of energy around the heart region then it's like opening or if somebody's in, in depression and all in anger sadness you have always different energy levels and you can basically there's scientific proof that it's like that there's energy shifts in your body 
you said there's a lot of crazy things happening and I've also seen that. What's, uh, just for everyone to get an impression of what can happen, what are, is the most crazy or one of the crazier experiences you've seen as, uh, as a person facilitating breathwork? It's just for me, the first experience was like, like similar to what you described, like breathing myself and then suddenly holding space. Um, and I just had one experience because I was like, um, I was working with somebody and suddenly somebody else in the room started screaming. And this was like a quick shock for me. It was like, <gasps> okay, what's happening? But then the way I was trained, it was like, okay, you know what's going on, like ground yourself. So I took, like I stayed calm after this first impulse, like took some breath, left slowly this person, then walked over to the other uh, person and started taking care of, of this. But it was just the first time and it was like, really, okay, something is going on here now. And with screaming, you mean like really, really? Screaming like... Like all the anger, all the sadness, all the frustration was coming out in that like, and he kept, like there was a guy and he kept screaming and screaming and screaming. And then it was like, um, started like, pat, like walking next to him and then sitting down to him, creating safe space for him. And then I started like adapting to his breathing pattern. It was like uh, slowly, okay, let's start breathing again, again, so that he was able to find his breath because why when you start screaming like constant like for a longer time you you lose your connection to your breath that's also something when you refer to to things that happening in your life what happens is that you lose your breath and that's how your body reacts so it's like if you cry if you run if you have sex if you sleep your breathing patterns are changing and it's the same thing if you if you're like we're all suffering from trauma big or small trauma And what's happening is that you it, no, it has nothing to do with the situation itself. So the trauma itself is how your body reacts to the trauma. And that's when we like we we like how often like, oh, hold your breath when you get scared or something like or when you when you did something wrong as a child you something and this can be released through a session and this can can be transformed like this that you start screaming and just like release that that energy out of your system. What kind of environment would you create for people? Uh, you always talk about a safe space that probably has something to do with you being there. But what else is important for a breathing session if it's such a intense breathwork uh, technique? First of, for me, which is important that I that's um, a closed space. It can be also outside. But what I mean with a closed space is that you that nobody can walk by or something. That is like you're just in there for like let's say two hours. You're spending time together. Then no phones or nothing really. Keep it quiet at the beginning so everybody's like in a already like calmer mood. Um, then if it's a if it's a bigger group that I have assistance so that I'm not by myself. So if it's like. Uh, We did Agabe Zoe Festival, for example, and then we had around like 120 breathers. So we had like six or seven facilitators helping me there. So, um, yeah, a comfortable, quiet opening environment. And like, yeah, also when you do it outside, it can be very, very nice, but it has also has to be sure that, that it's just like the breathers and me and, uh, That's for me the most important. And then, of course, there's little things like you can use some Palo Santo, or some gentle music, so like to create a warm and welcoming atmosphere for everybody. And with music, because I also know techniques where the music is really the guiding element through the 
breath session. Um, sometimes it's voice, sometimes music. How in your own technique, how, how much do you make use of music? Yeah, it's, it's a big part. And it's like, it's also because in my private life, I'm also really drawn to music. So I started creating my own playlists and then like it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And it's also that sometimes I'm zoom in and then like I'm sitting there working three, four, five hours on my, on my uh, playlists. And I like, like I said, it's like starting slow and then building up to a peak. And then what I learned is, for example, in my work at the beginning, it was like kind of more intense music like more like loud and more heavy music but now i'm getting in more and more into still using it from time to time but i'm getting more into gentle music so because the breath itself it can be so powerful and then putting on heavy music again it's sometimes it's like that i was maybe overpacing a bit at the beginning so getting more and more um, because it also has to do with my own practice because at the beginning I was always looking for these big explosion and when I didn't have them after a while I was sort of like now breathing is not for me anymore but what I, re what I realized afterwards every time it's basically every time you take a conscious breath something is shifting you because it brings you into the present moment and the more you're in the present moment the more you realize it the more awareness you bring to it and the same thing with the breathwork session is like you don't have these big explosion during a session anymore but it's like After, like in your everyday life, suddenly you realize how you react to your child, how you react when you get nervous, how you react to get sad, and so on. And uh, and of course, like music is also a big part of it because you can really transport it if you leave more like sad music. The, the chances are quite high that people are getting triggered to maybe start crying, which is for a lot of people very well for everybody very helpful especially for men because they're afraid we're so afraid of crying and we're told not to cry to not be a sissy and stuff so it can be really releasing when you're able to cry i've experienced that as well i think that uh safe space that you talked about and yeah men especially men not being conditioned to cry when they grow up also later on i think that is that's pretty cool to create such a space where um Yeah, that all of a sudden becomes okay again. I think the only other realm where I see men crying in public is probably sports <laughs> World championships. But Germany loses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Then all of a sudden it's it's uh, it's okay. But besides that, yeah, we're very very badly conditioned to hold our tears and our emotions back. And um, I myself just experienced how releasing it can be, and I. Um, I've also, I don't know, there's probably a period in my life where, where between the age of, I don't know, 16 and 25, 26, uh, I don't know if I even cried once or definitely not more than five times. And then through all these practices of, of yoga, of mindfulness, of, um, yeah, practice that create a safe space, but also an awareness and really connect you to the emotions and a lot of people around there who say, Hey, it's totally fine. You can do, you can cry if you want to, uh, The beginning you do it very slowly and, and so nobody sees it but at some point i realized oh wow yeah it can be really relieving and it can just heal so much and let go and feels really good and i for that i think also i am very grateful for all breath work training uh, because it creates a space i think that's a very important change in how yeah especially men i guess perceive their masculinity and um what what can be done as a man, a man and what not and what's manly and what's not yeah and maybe like when we want to talk like safe spaces also that you as a as a as a breather feel 
like welcoming and that you are able to let go because we're holding on to so many things and that fear of letting go. So the the the, the job of a, of a good facilitator should be that he's creating a safe space that you are like, okay, I'm doesn't matter what happened, I know somebody's there to help me to go through the process. And that's when you are like really are able to let go of everything that's that's holding you back. And of course, it's have it's it's it can be only a small. It's not it doesn't have to be this big explosion. But the more you work with it, the more you're able to like okay. Also through the breath, I went there. Nothing happened. Next time I go to the session, I can breathe a little bit more intense, a little bit more deeper. Then again, something is changing, and so you're building up, building up, building up. I know a lot of people that really struggle after a busy day to sit down, or maybe even in the morning, sit down and just watch their breath or um, try to meditate because their mind is so busy. It keeps wandering and gets really frustrating. After a few days, they always say like, ah, meditation is not for me. What would you say um, is different in, in breath work? Is it more accessible? Is it uh, more helpful? Yeah, I get this a lot that the people say, I can't do meditation because it's so stressful and my mind is going crazy. And I think with the beauty about breathwork is because it's so direct, like, because when you do meditation, it takes, you have to do like a couple of uh, round, like uh, 10, 15, 20, 30 uh, meditations to really feel something. The same thing is with yoga. You have to do at least like 10, 15 sessions to really feel something. But with breathwork, is here, you do one breathwork session or you do a breathing exercise and you immediately feel a shift in your body, feel a shift in your mind. And so it's like, um, I tell everybody you have five minutes in your day where you can concentrate on your breath. And it's really the same thing because you trick your mind in a way because you're just focusing on the breathing, especially when you do the intense sessions. And then it's like just goes by and you suddenly you wake up and you're like, wow, what just happened? Yeah, I, I totally have the same. If I come home from a very busy day and your whole day has been a to-do list and your mind the whole day had something to do and all of a sudden you tell it to not do anything, which is probably the right thing, but it's sometimes so frustrating that it's easier to say, okay, I'll give my mind a very simple exercise, which is counting to five on the inhale, counting to five on the exhale, and just stick with that. To me, that's often, yeah, often more helpful than a frustrating meditation experience. Yeah, I told you the same for me. Sometimes I'm like, my mind is like out there and I'm just focusing on my breath and it really helps me to calm down. I know a lot of breath work techniques are also used in everyday life for energy management, etc. Um, I don't know if you you probably yourself have created your own system and make use of the breath throughout the day. Can you walk me through maybe a strategic day where you use somehow your breath in the morning for a morning routine throughout the day to refresh in the night, to calm down? How can people just use these tools um, to optimize their life or feel better, feel more energetic? So like in my morning routine, I do use either the conscious connected breath. So like breathing in and out without pausing. When you bring your awareness, like you breathe in, then you hold, like you have like these little pauses between your breaths. But it's like, it's also more when I talk about the conscious connected breath, it's also more intense breathing. Like you, like this. So I either use this for like five to 10 minutes. I put in some music. Um, if I want to go deeper into, I do like a longer session, 30 minutes or so. And then the other thing is I'm using the Wim Hof method, which is like, um, 30 breath, conscious connected breath. Then you're with the breath retention there. You can like download the app. It's for free. And then you have these guided, you have these guided sessions. And that's something that really helps me to get into the day, to energize, to clear my head and really wake up. Um, 
And then what I use during the day is to, we talked about it as well, is the coherent breath, the five in and five out. So you're breathing in through the nose, out through the nose, or in through the nose and out through the mouth, like five seconds in, five seconds out. It really helps me to calm myself down, also get some more clarity. And if I'm feeling really, really stressed um, as well, it's like really calming myself down. And then like through nighttime, the, the four, seven, eight breath, Dr. Weil, we talked about this way, breathing for four seconds, hold your breath for seven and exhale for eight. Um, but also is like, because when you, when you running around the whole day, super stress, 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 of course, this breathing exercise helps you by night to go to bed a little bit better, but you have to start integrating conscious breathing throughout the day. Because then you, you're still like 100% and you do the breathing exercise in the evening, then maybe your body goes down to 90%. But it's like when you start doing like these little little mini vacations, I will call them, throughout the day. And it's just like one or two minutes just by – it's like the same thing if you tell somebody – if you're stressed and tell some, somebody tells you just take three breaths. You see how immediately your body, whole body reacts, and that's something. And by starting for somebody, it's just bringing awareness. You don't even have to do the exercise. It's just – by starting bringing awareness to your breath. And you can also do it by like picking up, I don't you have a mobile phone and you see how, how many times you pick it up per day. And just every time you pick it up, you take one breath and then you interact with your phone. And this will change everything. Yeah, I like that. That would, would have been my next question. Even like how, I mean, it doesn't matter if it's meditation or if it's breath work. Of course, I always know that I need to stay mindful. I need to stay aware throughout the day. And this is the most important thing, the here and now, the present moment. And still, especially in stressful times, and I've, the last two or three months, I've had a lot of like stress in my personal life and at work. And I notice that my mind keeps wandering a lot more. Um, and I try really hard to stay present. And I try really hard to come back and to notice my breath or to notice my the space I'm in or uh, how I'm feeling. Is there any, you, you mentioned your mobile phone, is there any other tricks or things you can share that are helpful to stay conscious throughout the day and stay connected to your breath? It's a practice with like like everything. It doesn't happen overnight. Of course, you have like, uh, I mean, I read the book like Atomic Habits and what he says is that you start adding to things through, the, through your everyday life what you do anyway, like brushing your teeth, getting to the toilet. And then starting adding little things. For example, if you went to the toilet, brushing your teeth, and before going into the kitchen and making a coffee, close your eyes and take three breaths. So start like this can be something. And for others, it can be before going out of, before standing up, even standing up, like just lie on bed and take some, like start with five breaths, start with 10 breaths. And then suddenly you feel like, okay, something, this feels good for me. And then maybe you want to do 20, maybe you do 30, 40 breaths. Try with something where you feel the least resistance to. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that's actually a, a concept that's based on a behavioral scientist called BJ Fogg, who calls them, I think, tiny habits. So you basically always use a trigger that's already existing in your day. And then you say, okay, but after this, uh, I add the new intended behavior. Like in this case, it's breathing or always in the morning. After brushing my teeth, I go meditate on or always in the evening when I open the door afterwards, I put my keys and then I go give my wife a kiss or these kind of things, whatever uh, you want to, whatever habit you want to build, you want to use something that already exists anyways in your life. Yeah. 
you also mentioned in our call before this podcast that uh, your your daughter is a really good teacher for you. Um, how how is that? It's I don't even know where to start because it's on so many levels. It's like it's a constant reflection of my like how I react with her because she's like she's a mirror. So if I'm stressed, you get stressed. It's like learning from her, from her being in the present moment because for, for her, only the present moment exists. There's no past. There's no future. There's no nothing. Like when she starts, she's zooming in and just like also learning from me, like, because when I'm with her, if I'm fully present with her and if I'm really connect with her i'm having the best time ever but if i'm with her and then in my head it's like fuck i thought i have to do this email this i want to go here blah 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 it ruins everything because it's like i'm not fully there or like also when it comes to work i'm not fully with my work and i'm not fully with her but as soon as i can leave out that shit and just be with her and then it's like like really learning to be in the present moment and also for me it's for her i learned at least in my life journey, I think it's like when you grow up, you detach from yourself more and more and more and more and more. With all the material stuff, we're trying to yeah, make this thing go away, but it's only the pure nature, like this pure joy of life. And I think that's something she she teaches me every day. Do you also practice any kind of breath with her? Um, yeah, when when she's like when she's also in a in a uh like when she's firing up um that she's like that i try let's breathe together and sometimes of course she's like uh, sometimes she's into it and sometimes not or i did also tell, tell her to lie down and close her eyes and then we just take some gentle breaths together and sometimes she's there and she laughs because i have a ice bath ice tube in my backyard oh, nice. and then she's telling everybody just go like um, doing the Wim Hof method and going to the ice bath. And then she's telling everybody, we have to warm up and she starts moving and breathing like this. <laughs> <laughs> you also teach or do breathwork sessions with corporates, right? With mm -hmm. companies. Mm -hmm. Why and how? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because I think it's, it's needed. It's much, much needed. And maybe also has something to do with my background, working in the corporate world of myself for many, many years, working in sales where you have like faces for a lot of stress and didn't have the tools to, to, to really calm myself. And, um, yeah, I started working like three, three years ago and I work with, I, I created different formats, um, for, for different occasions and, um, And now, of course, everything is online and we go through like different breathing techniques, but uh, the foundation is the conscious connected breath. And it's also because it's also scientific shown that breath work or conscious breathing techniques is the number one stress release. And especially in a workplace, everybody's suffering from stress. So it really helps people to regulate their nervous system, release stress. Um, it's also part of like creating, uh, getting more creative, uh, opening up. Um, being more focused and more energized and uh, but from the main feedback i get so far is for the most people it's like stress release they suddenly start connecting to their body again feeling their body feeling their like clearing their mind and calming down and giving them tools how to 
yeah, integrate it then in their everyday life. Cool. Um, last question. So if anyone now is super interested, how do they find you? How uh, do, can they contact you if they want their company to start doing crazy breathing sessions or uh, if they themselves are just interested in learning a bit more? Uh, the easiest you can find me on spiritofbreath.net, my webpage or spiritofbreath on my Instagram account. Just write me an email and we create a nice format for you and your company or you and your friends. Um, I also started like I'm finishing my Wim Hof um, training in first week of September. Then I'm going to be a certified Wim Hof instructor. So there could be also a really nice team event, like bring these three components, meditation, breath work, and then we're going into the ice bath. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So as we talked about the Korean breath uh, so many times, uh, maybe we want to finish off the um, podcast with a little session of that. Sit up again, or maybe if you have to lie down, if you feel like, then closing your eyes. And then let's take three breaths. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. And then again, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. And then start breathing very calm, very gentle through the nose. And then let's do three rounds of a coherent breath. We talked so much about it. We're going to start breathing in through the nose to a count of five, and we're going to exhale through the mouth to a count of five. So exhale out, and then start breathing in through the nose. Two, three, four, five. Exhale through the mouth. Two, three, four, five. Inhaling through the nose, two, three, four, five. Exhaling through the mouth, two, three, four, five. And again, breathing in through the nose, two, three, four, five. Exhaling through the mouth, two, three, four, five. And then Start breathing again, very calm, very gentle. Connecting to your breath. Connecting to your body. Just feel the movement in your body. Let your breath come natural in and out through the nose. Before we are coming back, maybe you want to set yourself a little intention for the rest of the day or the evening. And then let's all take three breaths together before coming back. Breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. 
breathing in and letting go. And one last one, breathing in and release it with the exhalation. And slowly and gently opening your eyes again. Maybe you want to do a little stretch, a little smile. And welcome back, everybody. Ah, really nice. I definitely feel refreshed. Um, thank you so much, so much for all the wisdom, for uh, yeah, all the all the knowledge you shared, all your experiences, and um, I hope this is a motivation for some people out there to give breathwork a try or maybe go a bit deeper using tools in their everyday life or maybe even joining a more intense breathwork sessions. Uh, I think by now there's in all kinds of cities around the world uh, facilitators that can help. Um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank you very much, Sasha. Thanks a lot for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Awaken Your Abilities, presented by Skill Yoga. Check us out in the App Store or the Play Store to start your yoga journey. This episode was hosted by me, Gerrit Ifken, produced by Kelly McKay and Julia Bell. Our music was created by Vibe Cat, and our logo design was created by Emmanuel Dupree.